Tom, it has been a week in which the world changed and things feel very brittle and dangerous heading into the weekend. To get a sense of just how far we have travelled in only six days since the brazen, deadly invasion of Israel by Hamas, listen to America's National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan speaking to a forum in Washington only a fortnight ago. He was feeling pretty good about the Biden administration's record in the Middle East. What we said is we want to depressurize, de-escalate, and ultimately integrate the Middle East region. And the Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. By last Saturday morning here, that assertion was no longer viable. Breaking news this morning, dramatic developments happening in Israel. The militant group Hamas firing thousands of rockets into the country, smoke and flames seen rising from multiple sites that were hit. The scale of these attacks, waves of attacks are absolutely stunning. But perhaps what is most stunning is that Israel was apparently taken completely by surprise. But of course, so was America. And extraordinarily, as the violence unfolded while the U.S. slept in the overnight hours leading towards Saturday's dawn, no one at the White House thought they needed to wait President Biden. He slept on, despite the fact that an estimated half a million Americans live in Israel, and as we now know, more than two dozen of them were killed in the attacks and several others seized as hostages. Today, the people of Israel are under attack, orchestrated by a terrorist organization, Hamas. By Saturday afternoon, the president had caught up. You know, the world's seen appalling images. Thousands of rockets in the space of hours raining down on Israeli cities. When I got up this morning, started this at 7.30, 8 o'clock, my calls, Hamas terrorists crossing in Israel, killing not only Israeli soldiers, but Israeli civilians. Innocent people murdered, wounded, Entire families taken hostage by Hamas. America's support for Israel, he said, was ironclad, and he ordered fresh military supplies to be sent, including vitally needed interceptors for the country's Iron Dome missile defense system. It is still being tested like never before by Hamas rockets. President Biden was on the phone relentlessly to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu all week, even though the two men are absolutely not political soulmates. And as the week advanced, the president himself conceded America was facing a hostage crisis in Gaza. All we ask from the Biden administration is to act to the immediate release of all hostages. In a series of emotional press conferences in Tel Aviv, relatives of Americans feared seized by Hamas piled pressure on the White House. And on Wednesday, the president responded. Now the press is going to shout to me, and many of you are, that, you know, what are you doing to bring these, get these folks home? If I told you, I wouldn't be able to get them home. Folks, there's a lot we're doing. A lot we're doing. I have not given up hope. He spoke there to Jewish community leaders and in highly personal terms described his own family's commitment to battling anti-Semitism and defending Israel's right to exist. That's why I took my kids, everyone when they turned 14 years old, one at a time, put them on a plane and took them to Dachau. I wanted them to see that you could not not know what was going on walking through those gates. You could not fail to understand as a country what was going on.
Several senior members of his administration have also reacted in very emotional terms to the images emerging from Israel this week. White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby broke down during a TV interview and emotions were high when Secretary of State Antony Blinken held emergency talks yesterday with Prime Minister Netanyahu in Tel Aviv. I come before you not only as the United States Secretary of State, but also as a Jew. My grandfather, Maurice Blinken, fled pogroms in Russia. My stepfather, Samuel Pizar, survived concentration camps. So, Prime Minister, I understand on a personal level the harrowing echoes that Hamas's massacres carry for Israeli Jews, indeed, for Jews everywhere. Later, he came face to face with a young woman who survived the Hamas attack on a music festival that left at least 260 Israelis dead. I'm 24 <laughs> and I never imagined something like this would happen ever in a dance in a music festival. We celebrated love, <laughs> then the rocket started and gunshots everywhere. We managed to escape. But there are a lot of friends that didn't, and there are a lot of friends that are kept captive now in Gaza. And if there's any way to help, like, first priority, first priority are our friends and family that are now in Gaza. We're, really. we're thinking of them and trying to do everything we can. I know. We want to bring them home. Thank you so much for being here and, I'm so, and so speaking sorry to me. To go through this. But not all Americans feel that way. Across the country this week, there have been dueling demonstrations and vigils, and in some places, vigorous defences offered of Hamas's actions last weekend. Thank you all for being here, for raising your voices to celebrate the glorious victory of the resistance. Pro-Hamas protesters in Times Square on Sunday. In comments the White House called repugnant, they joked about the Hamas attack on the music festival in the Israeli desert. It was some sort of rave or desert party where they were having a great time until the resistance came in electrified hang gliders and took at least several dozen hipsters. But nobody had seen this coming. Do you support Israel's rights to defend themselves against this brutality? We're just gonna go through here. You can't comment about Hamas terrorists chopping off babies' heads? On Capitol Hill, Fox News chased pro-Palestinian Democrat Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib of Michigan. She refused to condemn the Hamas attacks and instead accused Israel of creating an apartheid system in Gaza that had led to what she called resistance. Congressman, why do you have a Palestinian flag outside your office if you do not condone what Hamas terrorists have done to Israel? The White House says she and other pro-Palestinian Democrats in Congress are disgraceful. Congress itself remains at a standstill, with no prospect of any legislation advancing until a new Speaker of the House of Representatives is chosen. Republicans this week couldn't get that done, and Democrats are also doing nothing to help them, leaving America displaying that the wheels of its own governing system are seizing up, 
right in the middle of a national security crisis. I'll leave it to Israel to, uh, to talk about its potential plans and uh, its approach to uh, conducting operations. In Israel today, as the country's troops mass for a possible ground offensive, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin held back from criticizing Israeli demands that more than a million Palestinians evacuate northern Gaza in the next 24 hours if they want to save their lives. My experience in working with the Israeli forces is they are professional, they're disciplined, and they're focused on the right things. That is a massive gamble to be taking on Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. I was looking back this week at the way in which the US reacted 50 years ago to the surprise Arab attacks that launched the Yom Kippur War. At that stage, it was far from inevitable that successive US presidents would always side with Israel. We're not pro-Israel, and we're not pro-Arab, and we're not any more pro-Arab because they have oil and Israel hasn't. We are pro-peace. President Richard Nixon, who, if nothing else, was steeped in foreign affairs. After Watergate forced him from office, he reviewed the lessons he learnt from that 1973 conflict. This was one of those wars which ended with peace without victory. And peace without victory is virtually the only kind of peace you can have that will survive in that kind of a situation. You can have too great a victory. If it is too great, what happens is you plant the seeds for another war. Words to think about, Tom, at the end of a brutal week and the start of a very uncertain weekend.